and uh, thank you for praying over recent months and it's good to be back here in little sunny Coffs Harbour and uh, next weekend if, if you want to know where we are um, there's a little list down there on the, the board down the back um, and I've added a few more uh, meetings to there uh, during the week and there's most probably a few more churches to add before we get to the end of the year which is um, not very far away three months till Christmas on uh, what's today's date 23rd 24 25 three months from Tuesday to Christmas Christmas I just thought you'd like to know that um, Psalm 81 please Psalm 81 Psalm 81 And verse number 10, Psalm 81 and verse number 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning from verse number 10, where the Lord says, Open thy mouth wide. And I will fill it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful day. We give you our thanks and praise. Uh, and we, we do acknowledge that you're still on the throne in control of this universe and this, uh, this place called planet Earth and all that goes on. And we thank you. We have a wonderful God that doesn't change. Lord, bless us now as we look at your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit will uh, take the, the word of God and uh, impress it upon our hearts in a, in a meaningful way. And Lord, we, we want to change, we want to be encouraged, uh, and maybe we need to be challenged. Whatever is the need this morning, we pray that that will be met. Work amongst us and we will give you thanks and praise uh, for answering this prayer. In Jesus' name, Amen. God was very good to Israel. And there were so many blessings that God gave to his, to his nation. If you come over a couple of uh, pages to Psalm 78, Psalm 78 and uh, verse 12, Marvellous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea, he caused them to pass through, he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink. Out, as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. Look over to verse 23. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat uh, to the full. God was very good to Israel and time and again, especially in uh, uh, the, the Psalms, God reminds, and even in the New Testament, God reminds his people of how good he was to his people Israel, his chosen people Israel. And he said, listen, this is what I did. I, I, you know, I, gave you the, I put the plagues upon Egypt 
and then the firstborn and then he said I got the Red Sea and we parted the waters and you went through on dry ground and there was no water so I got water for you and then you went where the water was bitter and I made the water sweet and he said and when God says he provided water we're talking it up to two million people here we're not talking like a little creek down the back of the church here we are talking like Niagara Falls I mean we're talking about a big big stream to feed two million people and all their cattle and so on and yet for God that was nothing he just opened up the crevices from the deep and and Moses at one stage he he hit the rock and then he wasn't he did it again he wasn't supposed to hit the rock but the water came forward and then God knew that there were no McDonald's in the wilderness so he said I'm gonna I'm gonna make the food to come down from heaven and down came this stuff called manna and they said what is it I don't know I reckon it was chocolate but I can't prove that but whatever it was it was because God provided it miraculously it was very good it was very good. All I had to do was just go out and pick it up. And then God did these amazing things. He, when they had the tabernacle in the wilderness there, he, um, uh, uh, during the night time there was a fire to show that God was there. Now I can't prove this, but uh, I think somehow that uh, maybe that fire gave a bit of warmth to the, the nation of Israel in those cold desert, on those cold desert nights. And then during the day, there was a cloud. God changed it to a cloud. And again, I can't prove this, but I, I think maybe apart from the fact that the cloud said that God was here, that maybe it, it cooled things off in the hot desert sun for them. Whatever it was, God was very good to Israel. And then he said, listen, I've got a place for you. It's called Canaan. It's called the promised land. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you go in through the land. I'm going to give you the land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Awesome place. And I'm just going to give it to you. Now, they could have had it earlier, of course, but they winced and complained and so on. So they wandered for 40 years. But he said, nevertheless, I'm going to give you this beautiful land where grapes, it took two grown men to carry a bunch of grapes. I mean, that's some grape. You imagine how big the watermelons were. <laughs> they would have had to have a semi-trailer to carry, a, a, a camel semi-trailer to carry, carry the watermelons. But for God, that was nothing. He said, this land's incredible. And he said, there it is. It's all for you. And he said, listen, if you want anything else, just open your mouth wide and I'll give it to you. Whatever you want. You're my chosen people. Just open your mouth wide and I'll give it to you. I'll put, I'll put my fear into the nations round about. You don't have to worry about all that. You're like a little flock among all these nations, I know, but don't worry about that. I'm gonna, they're going to be scared to death of, of you. And so just go into the land and take it. And if you want more, that's fine. Just go open your mouth wide. Unfortunately, Psalm 78 Verse 22 says this, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. And again, back to Psalm 81, verse 10. Open your mouth wide. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Look at verse 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. One of the, I think that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Here's this... this all that the nation had been through, all that God had done for them. And he said, listen, I've got all this, but the best is yet to come. Just open your mouth wide. I'm going to look after you. Just obey my commandments. But they got to the land of Canaan and they said, no, we don't want you, God. We're here. 
we're here. We, don't, we, we want none of you. And very shortly after they got to the land of Canaan, things were going well, and then very rapidly for the nation of Israel, things went downhill. We get to the book of Judges, where everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. I mean, they had some ups. You know, they had some pretty good kings and some bad kings. They had some ups and downs, but pretty well from Israel, from then on, it was a, it was a downward slope. Until finally, many, many years later, you get to Babylon. Well, there was Assyria, then there was Babylon. Came through and destroyed the place. You know, God did not intend for them to live that way. God said, I've given you all this, but I've got heaps more for you. Just open your mouth wide and, I, and I'll, I'll give you the best of the wheat and I'll give you the best of the honey from the rock. They said, no, we don't want that. We want what all the other nations round about have got. Do you know, do you know as Christians, God has not intended for us to live as beggars? You know that? And I'm not speaking physically here. I don't know if God looks after us physically over and above what we ever need. But spiritually speaking, God does not want us to live like beggars. God does not want us to live like beggars. You know, God has blessed us with incredible blessings. Let me read to you Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you want to to be blessed, go and read the book of Ephesians, especially chapter 1. And just read all that stuff, all the stuff that God has, has given to his children on the point of, point of salvation. I mean, we are justified. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are adopted. And the list goes on and on and on. All the things that God just gives us at the, uh, at the, at the point of salvation. If the truth be known, we, we don't understand, we don't, or we don't, realize what God has given to us but God says there it is for you all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ and of course there's all the stuff to come you know a home in heaven come over to Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 this talks about what God has given to us Romans chapter 8 God has given us these spiritual blessings Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Look down at verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What things? God's given us everything we need to be conformed to the image of his son. God's given us all these blessings, Ephesians chapter 1, and then God says, no, what I want you to do, I want you to become more and more like Jesus. In fact, it's very interesting there in Romans uh, chapter, Romans uh, verse 29, chapter 8 verse 29, the word firstborn, the word firstborn, it's it's the word protocon, where we get the word prototype from. I remember when I was working uh, for a pharmaceutical company in Reesby in in Sydney, I uh, um, I, I, I was a sales rep, was all over Sydney there, but I went to a particular place in Reevesby, I think it was Daisy Street, Reevesby, uh, and uh, it was a pattern making factory. Uh, now a pattern, I know nowadays they have 3D printing and all that stuff, but, but back in those days, whoever remembers back in the 80s, the old white sunbeam kettle, electric kettle, 
Everyone had the same one, okay? None of this stainless steel stuff. It was a plastic sunbeam kettle. And I guarantee you there's, I guarantee there's 20 of us here who've had that exactly same kettle. You might even have one today, I don't know. But I remember calling on this factory. I was selling pharmaceuticals. And, and this old fella, I was speaking to this old fella, and we got talking. And he said, come and I'll show you something. So we went down to this factory in Daisy Street, Reesby, and he showed me this sunbeam kettle. Perfect, just like the one we had at home. We must probably bought it at, I don't know, Big W or Kmart or something. He said, there's your, uh, could have been Walton's. He says, there you go, there's the kettle. He said, oh, that's awesome. I said, yeah, I've got one of those. He says, no. He says, that's the prototype. It was made of wood. <laughs> he made the prototype. Now, it was painted with some sort of acrylic, so it looked plastic, but he said, that's the prototype that all the other sunbeam kettles in the world are based on. You see, Jesus is our prototype. He's perfect. He's the perfect one. He's the one that God has predestined to become more and more like. And God says, I've given you all things you need to become more and more like Jesus. So that's our job. That's what God wants us to do. Salvation is just the, that's just the first step. Now that's a wonderful step, being born again by the Spirit of God. But that's just the first step. God wants us to be conformed, to be transformed, to become more and more like our prototype, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then God says, I'll supply all you need according to my riches in glory. And then Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, he said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So God does not want us to live the life of a spiritual beggar. He's given us all these things at salvation and then he says, I, I'm, I'm not going to hold back anything that you need to become more and more like Jesus. And he said, I'm going to supply all your needs. He's, in fact, he says, I'm going to give you life, but not just life, but abundant life. So as Christians, we are supposed to live an abundant life. So here's the question. Here's the question. Why don't we? Why do we so often live as spiritual paupers? Well, here's another question. Let's put it the other way around. What makes the Christian life abundant? What makes it abundant? Now, I wrote a little list down here, and you could most probably add many things to this list, but I'll give you my list for in just the next few minutes, and then we'll be finished this morning. What makes the Christian life abundant? Number one, victory over sin. Victory over sin. Now, just like... When God says to uh, his nation, listen, if, if you want victory over your enemies here, I'll give it to you. Just open your mouth. I'll give you the victory. You know, Christians are supposed to live a victorious Christian life. We're supposed to have victory over sin. I'm not saying we are supposed to live a, a perfect Christian life, because that's not possible in this, this life. Come over to the book of First uh, John chapter 2, very quickly. First John chapter 2. There's so much we could say about this subject. 1 John chapter 2. Now we do sin. Okay, the Bible says, here we go, 1 John, or 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we do sin, 
And there is cleansing for sin. But look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. So the Bible says, yes, we do sin, and there is cleansing for sin, but these things are written so we don't have to sin. We don't have to sin. We can have victory if we want it. Thankfully, again, he goes over it again. The writer, uh, John here says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the atonement for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we don't have to sin. We do sin. There's cleansing for sin, but we don't have to sin. And if we do sin, there is forgiveness. Is that a bit confusing? Maybe. If any man sins, not when any man sins, if any man sins, we can have victory over sin. We can have victory over temptation. And when the Christian says, well, I couldn't help it. Yes, we can. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's always a way out. We struggle with sin, I understand that. We have this thing called the flesh. But there is cleansing. The Christian life is a life of victory. Not perfection. It's all, there's also cleansing for sin and we need that cleansing every day. But we can have victory over sin. You say, how, how can I have victory over the flesh, over this, this, the, my fleshly desires, this fleshly mind? How can I have victory? <clears throat> Romans 13, 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We must not make for provision for the flesh. Do you know why most Christians, I'll include myself here, you know why, you know why we often don't live a victorious Christian life? Because we don't want to. We enjoy those little sins. Now be honest with yourself. Sometimes we enjoy those little sins. Yeah. Do you think God will mind if I... Ah, oh, we're all the same. <laughs> you ever thought that? It's just a little sin. You know, just something little. God says, no, no, that's not the way to live. Don't, don't feed the flesh. Don't make provision for the flesh. If you feed the flesh, it'll take... A, and you'll, be, you'll have a defeated Christian life. That's not the way to live the Christian life. The Christian life should be a, an abundant life. What makes life abundant? Number one, victory over sin. Victory over sin. Secondly, answered prayer. Answered prayer. John 18, 24, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Hey, this makes Christian life abundant, having our prayers answered. Come over to James Chapter 4, please. James chapter 4. Just a couple of pages over. James chapter 4. Why don't we get our prayers answered? Well, James tells us very, very simply here. Verse number 3. He says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Dear Lord, I would like a new Ferrari. <laughs> dear lord i really need that lamborghini you know dear lord i really need that rolex 
<laughs> uh, and, hey, listen, if you've got a Lamborghini and a Rolex, can I have a drive of your car? <laughs> That's fine. But we don't get our prayers answered. Why? Because we ask for the wrong things. So you say, well, how do you know what to ask for? Ask God to tell you what to ask for. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. If you don't have the wisdom, ask God for the wisdom. He said, he'll give it to you. Then there's another reason we don't get our prayers answered. And it says it in verse 2 there. You have not, why? Because you ask not. So either we ask for the wrong things, or usually, or mainly, we don't pray in the first place. You have not because you ask not. What did God say? He said, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. But you would not do it. Christians are supposed to have their prayers answered. That's the abundant Christian life. Here's a third thing. And I'm getting towards the end of the message. Here's the third thing. There's a thing called power. But ye shall receive power, Acts 1 verse 8. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. You know the Christian life is supposed to be a life of power? That should be natural for the Christians. In fact, the key to serving God is having God's power. You know what the key to being a good one-way leader is? Now, I know that you need faithfulness, you need steadiness, you need resolve, and oftentimes patience. <laughs> but you need the power of God on your life. You say, well, that's, that's all well and good for, you know, preachers and, and missionaries. And t- no, it's for everyone. For everyone. You know, you, know what sets, you know what sets this church and other Bible-believing churches apart from every other organisation in, in Coffs Harbour? You've got your surf clubs and your RSL clubs and your sports clubs and your golf clubs and your Lions clubs. And, and I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm not commenting on those. But I'm just saying what we have as a, an independent New Testament Bible-believing church, we have the power of God. We have the life-changing power of God in this place. That's what makes us different, among other things. Fourthly, there's a thing called direction. Direction. So often, so often Christians are like headless crooks, running around, wondering which way to go. What is Proverbs 3? You all know the verse. What does it say? Proverbs 3. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall what? He might direct your paths. <laughs> it says he shall direct your paths. He will do it. Now, if you're like me, you've got a decision or whatever, it might be a big decision, small decision, the Lord is the last one I go to. When all else fails, I'll go and ask the Lord for guidance. <laughs> Are you like that? Yeah, I'm like that. I'll use my own wisdom and experience and knowledge. And if all else fails, I'll go to God. But the Lord says, no, in all thy ways, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Lord, I don't know what to do in life. I've got this life, big life decision coming. I don't know what to do. Acknowledge God. Just acknowledge him. Put him first. That's part of being an abundant life Christian. And then, 
There's a thing called calmness of mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Christians are supposed to have a sound mind. We, we have it if we want it. Why does then the average, or should I say many, born again, believing believers, not have what they could have? We have not because we ask not. And I think what it does, I think it goes back to our, I think everything goes back to our view on God. It all goes back to our view on God. You know, the, 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 we live in what's called the postmodern world now, and, and for so many people, God is irrelevant to them. Or, or he's like, they, 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 they look at the cartoons or, the, or whatever, and they see God as a, a grumpy old grandpa up in the sky with a big beard, looking to make life miserable for everyone. That's, that's, how, that's how, you know, we've got to be careful. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. He said, what is the God of the Bible? I'm glad you asked that question. Come over to um, Psalm 103. And I'll finish on this verse. Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children... So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. You know, we have oftentimes a wrong view of God. Um, our God, I'm talk, when I say our, I'm talking about Christians here, Bible-believing Christians. Our God is our heavenly Father. And like an earthly father pitieth, and that word pity doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean necessarily to feel sorry for, it means to care for and to nourish, to care for and to nourish their children, his children. That's what God is to us. He's our heavenly father. The Bible says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's a term of endearment from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. God is our heavenly, if we put it this way, our heavenly Papa is our heavenly Father. And he pities, his children. He pities us, as in he, he is kind towards us. He is compassionate towards us. He loves us. You know, my kids, my kids are all grown now. And um, they can look after themselves, okay? But my grandkids, now I've, I've got to stop myself. Because those of you who are grand, grandpas, grandparents what do you want to do for your grand you want to give them everything and I know that's not good <laughs> you've sort of got to put the brakes on your giving to your grandkids but if you could like yesterday we had bubble gum we had bubble gum you didn't stick that in the wrong place did you you put it in the bin right <laughs> and we had chips we had a really healthy lunch chips and pizza Sorry, Jess, I didn't ask Jesse or Lydia. But. Oh, I mean, man, I just, I, I just love giving things to my, to my grandkids. And I know someone's got to think, no, maybe they don't. I've just got to go, yeah, I'll say, go and, ask you, go and ask mum whether you can have it, okay? But we want to, we love our grandkids. We want to give them stuff. We pity them. We, we are compassionate towards them. We just want to look after them. And anything we have in life, we would give to them. 
And that's God with us. God's not some, you know, fella in, in the sky that is looking to throw down darts of misery. That's not the Lord of the Bible. God loved his children Israel. He said, I've, I've brought you out of Egypt. And he said, then I've given you this place, this promised land called Canaan. And he said, if you want something else, open your mouth, I'll give it to us. God has given us salvation. He's given us um, eternal life. He's given us the promise of heaven. And he said, listen, whatever else you want, just open your mouth. I want to give it to you. I want you to have a victorious Christian life. I want to answer your prayers. I want to give you direction for life. So often to God we... You know, the Bible says to come boldly to the throne of grace. 1968, a film came out called Oliver. Who's seen it? A lot of people would have seen it. I've never sat through it. I fall asleep during films. Uh, I think I've watched about half of it till they get to the really scary part. Then I... But early on in the film Oliver, based on Dickens' Oliver Twist, they're in the... In the um, uh, the orphanage, and Mr. Mr. Bumble, remember Mr. Bumble? That was Harry Seacombe, Mr. Bumble there, great big fella. In the orphanage, all the, or all the orphan boys there, and uh, of course they just get given this slop to eat, and um, Oliver draws the short straw, and he has to go up, walk down the front, and go up to Mr. Bumble, and what were his famous, what was his famous question he says please please sir I want some more and what did Mr Bumble say more <laughs> he did it better than that <laughs> please sir I want some more more I say that to Robin sometimes <laughs> please ma'am can I have some more <laughs> but you know that's not God that's not the Lord God. And now we are to fear God and we are because we, we are he's mighty and incredible and powerful and eternal. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Understand that. But he is our heavenly father. And he wants us to have this thing called life and not just life but abundant life. So we don't have to come in fear and trepidation before God. No, we come boldly to the throne of grace. And we say, Lord, I'm struggling with this area in my life. I'm struggling with this area. Lord, please, I need victory, Lord. Please, I need my prayers answered. Just open your mouth wide and God will fill it. A defeated Christian is no advertisement for the Lord. It's no advertisement for the Lord. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that God will give you a uh, Ferrari next week. I'm not saying that. God says, I'll supply your needs the truth be known, he supplies way more than our needs. Every day of every year. But I'm talking about spiritually here. <clears throat> There's a thing called abundant life. You know, you, you and I, we are God's advertising boards. We are God's advertising boards. And the people around us, they may think we're fanatics and we're nuts and that's fine. But we need to live an abundant Christian life. That's the best advertisement for the Lord Jesus Christ. Two applications. Number one, is your Christian life abundant? Or are you living a 
defeated Christian life at the moment. You don't have to live that defeated Christian life. You say, man, it's all smooth sailing. I'm not saying that at all. Life is difficult for so many people in this building. But you know the ones, people that are going through deep waters at the moment, so often they're the ones living the abundant Christian life. They're the ones that smile. They're the ones that encourage. Here's the second, second application. Maybe you don't even have spiritual life. Maybe you are not a Christian this morning. Maybe you are not born again. Maybe there was, there was never a time when you admitted your sin, believed that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again. That's the gospel, the good news. Maybe there never was a time when you took the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. You haven't got abundant life. You don't even have life at all. But the good news is you can have life. Today, you can have Christ come into your life, save you from your sins, make you part of God's family. Let's have all heads bowed and eyes closed, please. I'm going to pray. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a very short closing song and we'll be done for the morning. Let me ask a question this morning. If you're a believer, God's spoken to your heart. <clears throat> I'm not asking you for an outward show or anything. I'm just saying, if you're living a defeated Christian life at the moment, just spend some time with the Lord this morning. Say, Lord, I, I don't want that life anymore. I want to open my mouth wide and Lord, I, I want what you have for me. If that's you, then let God have his way in your life this morning. But maybe this morning, there's one person here, maybe young, maybe old, maybe in between, and you do not know that you have eternal life. You do not know that there was a time when you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. Maybe there's someone here and you'd say, Preacher, that is me this morning. I don't know that I'm a Christian, but I would like to know. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's you this morning, I'd like to give you the opportunity to respond. This is how I'd like to do it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If that's you this morning, you'd say, Preacher, I don't know 100% for sure that I am saved, but I'd like to know and I'd like to respond this morning quickly put your hand up in the air and put it down again is there someone here you'd say preacher i don't know that i'm a christian but i'd like to know this morning god bless you i see your hand if there's someone else you'd say preacher that's me i don't know that i'm a christian we thank you lord for those that raised the hand this morning we pray that this matter of salvation will be settled today that Christ would live in their heart. And Lord, please continue to work amongst us this morning. Lord, we are overjoyed with the wonderful thing called life, abundant life that you have given to us in Christ. We rejoice in that. Lord, if, if there's a backslider here this morning, someone that's not walking with you, then Lord, just draw them to yourself. And, and Lord, just show in abundance your love and care for them this morning. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take